Instacart shoppers know groceries. They know that you can't make guacamole with rock-hard avocados. They know how to quickly find those peanut butter pretzels you can never find. And they keep you in the know by giving you updates about your order along the way. Let Instacart shoppers help take shopping off your plate so you can get time and energy back for what really matters. Visit instacart.com or download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders. Offer valid for a limited time. Minimum order $10. Additional terms apply. Instacart. Add life to cart. Thank you for joining us on Easy's Community Focus, where we look at the issues that matter in South Florida and the people and organizations that are making a difference. I'm happy to welcome back to the program Karen Gray. You've heard her speak about the Safe Space Foundation. She's involved in so many different organizations that today she's coming to represent a whole different group. We're going to be talking about Joshua's Heart Foundation, the mission to stamp out hunger, and founded by Joshua when he was how old? He was four and a half. Can oh my you God. believe that? Yeah, only because you're telling me so. It boggles the mind. And now he's in college. And the foundation continues. So let's let you tell the story and what you're looking for in terms of support from the community. Joshua's Heart has been around for 15 years. They are actually celebrating 15 years this year. It was founded in 2005 by Joshua when he was four and a half years old. And the foundation is dedicated to the fight against global hunger and poverty. It is a 501c3, not-for-profit, youth-run organization. Yeah, just one more of the amazing things about Joshua's Heart. Yes, you know, if you know, there's so many videos that they have on their um, YouTube channel, but the one that really gets to me is when he's explaining that, you know, they were looking for different organizations that he could volunteer for when he was a youth. And most nonprofits don't take volunteers under 18 because of liability. And, you know, he found a need and a niche and he filled it. Extraordinary. These young people are so amazing. They're so wonderful. They actually, a lot of them come because, you know, they have to do um, volunteer work for school, especially in high school. But they get so entrenched and so involved with the mission and with giving back that you find a collection. It's a collective of like-minded young people that run a business. They have their junior advisory board, which is like any board of directors for any corporation. They meet, they decide what they want to do, what the mission is the different events that they're going to participate in. You know, every year there's a Global Youth Service Day in April, and they always participate in that. And you'll find there's a Boca chapter, and they always have a great Global Youth Service Day event with Colin. And then the Day chapter always does something as well. And they collaborate on different things together. But it is a group of young people. And when they leave, they actually learn. They know how to run a business. They go to college and get all of that technical education. But they were boots on the ground in the trenches running an organization. And the adults are there to guide them and to take care of the things that none of us that have our own business like to do. You know, the paperwork. (laughs) You know, they have, that's what, you know, Joshua's mom does and their staff. But it's really, they engage and educate young people in committing to fight hunger and poverty on a global basis. And to watch the children as they come in and when they leave as young people, the difference, the transformation, it's incredible. It's totally incredible what you see these young people do. 
gives you hope, right? And then, you know, beyond just the education and training and involving young people so that they can grow up and, and they'll likely do the same thing, start their own businesses and nonprofits, and, and they'll know to give back to the community. But of course, at the same time, there is the mission that you're actually providing food to help end hunger. Yes, yes. Because you know, let, let's just say food deserts and food insecurity did not start with COVID. And I know from working with Joshua's Heart, one of the main goals that they have during COVID is how can we reach the people that we normally reach, the most vulnerable citizens in our South Florida communities? How can we get to them? Because a lot of them used to show up at the pantry on foot. They would come with their little wagons. I mean, people do come in cars or they grab a ride with someone. But when you see the overabundance of drive-through food distributions and you know the elderly, the sick, the immobile, and the poor cannot get to them, you have to wonder, well, who is this really serving? How does this really help? And that is why, you know, they did distribution with the city of North Miami Beach and the mayor. And they knocked doors. They sent out caravans with food to the neighborhoods there. And they dropped it, you know, no contact delivery, drop it on the porch, knock on the door, step back and give them the food. You know, and that is something that is what you call thinking outside the box. Because how do you still service the people that you know in your heart of hearts need this the most? And know that COVID has impacted them in a way that most of us can't even imagine. Exactly. And how do we still take care of our our community, our clients that we service all the time? So during COVID, of course, they serve thousands and they've partnered, you know, with a farm share with the USDA. They were doing milk. I think they're still doing milk and giving out food and still getting their donations, but it's a daunting task to raise money to feed the food insecure and the most vulnerable citizens around us, and they need support as well. You look at the numbers. You think in 15 years, these kids aren't playing. $2 million raised for hunger and poverty initiatives. Over 3 million pounds of food distributed. Over 200,000 toys closing toiletries donated and they have recruited and graduated and continue to recruit over 60,000 youth volunteers. That's amazing. Amazing. (laughs) You know, these, and you know, what's so amazing about young people is they just do it. Right. They don't overthink it. They don't over debate it. Here's the problem. Let's solve it. What can we do to solve it? And they come up with a plan and they execute. It's all about execution. No matter what level of business you are in or what type of business, it's all about execution. They educate and they execute. And every one of them finds their own niche and their own specific little community that they can do a little extra for. Because we are a rainbow in South Florida. They have Asians, uh, you know, Filipino, Indian, Hispanic, Latino, Caribbean, and every one of the students from that uh, South American, Mexican, they have all found a project that is near and dear to their heart and their culture, and they found a way through their experience and learning at Joshua's Heart to make a difference in their home communities 
one young man, he raised money for his community in the Philippines. Another one went to India. She went to India. Mm. She's now at Brown University and did a distribution there. And these kids are amazing. And this is what we see, how we can make a difference and how we can come together because we are really more alike than we are different. That is exactly the point I wanted to make when you started describing the different groups of people who are involved and their different backgrounds and the different ethnicities all working together now more than ever These young people are what we need to show adults that we are all the same. I mean, of course, each unique, but we are all one. So one world, yeah, absolutely. Is one universe because we don't know if there's anything else at the space station, beyond the space station. But you know, their core values and their mission is to inspire and empower youth so that they can tackle global issues and change the world through kindness, through teamwork, and through determination. And their four core values include community, awareness, volunteerism, and education. And there is, when they go through and they become part of the junior advisory board, or they just volunteer, they get all of that at Joshua's Heart. There is not a parent down in South Florida that should not take their children and let them experience what it's like to be part of a family, a community that teaches kindness, teamwork, and determination. These are all values that you need when you go out into the workforce. Oh yeah, absolutely. And each of these 60,000 youth who have participated undoubtedly will be successful in probably whatever they aspire to do and will likely end up running their own businesses, too, now that they have this experience. And you know that they're going to be involved in some form of community support or charity or giving, whether it's on the volunteering side or the working side or the donating side. So how can people here donate to Joshua's Heart and help you fill that pantry and get those kids to where they need to be to help the communities? Go to their website. Their website is joshuasheart.org and click the donate button. But more importantly, don't just go on. I've got $20. Go to their website and read about what their programs have done, the impact that they've had on community. Read about what they're doing. Read about how to volunteer, what their wish list is, you know, um, who they partner with, Amazon Smile. When you buy on Amazon, you can, and Amazon Smile programs makes a donation to a charity, make it Joshua's Heart. These are, your children are involved, make it Joshua's Heart. Just, just make a difference. And you know, right now, one of the things that I want those in need to know about is that they can call this number if they are in need of food and supplies and scheduled to participate in their distributions, which happens on Mondays and Thursdays. The distributions that I myself helped champion were outside of their regular distributions. And we got milk and food from Joshua's Heart. And we went around to different churches in Miami Gardens, in Miami, in Broward County. And on average, we gave milk and food for about eight to 10 weeks or longer to about three to 500 families every week. Wow. And that's on top of what's going out from the pantry. Exactly. So if they need to go to the pantry, which is located at 2056 
Northeast 155 Street in the city of North Miami Beach. They have to call ahead. They need to call 305-944-4452 and register. And when they come, these kids have this down to a system and they drive up and they give them food and personal items according to the information and data they collect from them. If they have kids, they have sometimes the school meals, they have that that they were doing through COVID. They thought of everything yep. to make sure that they continue to serve the community. Well, the idea that they're making up donation kits specific for each person based on their need, that alone is huge. So I understand that you have an event that you're planning for later this year. We don't have all the details yet, but you're going to come back and tell us about a concert that's going to be a fundraiser. It'll be a fun, fun fundraising event, a multicultural concert featuring up-and-coming local acts. It's a virtual concert. It's towards the end of the year, final day to be determined, but we are looking for vocal acts that can uh, participate. If they would like to, they can call me directly at 954-566-2712. And that's Karen Gray, 954-566-2712. And we can talk about that virtual fundraising concert that'll benefit Joshua's heart and what you can do to participate. If you're a business and you want to sponsor, what you can do to sponsor, and we can go forth from there. But it's going to be a dynamic event. Quick question about performers. Are you looking particularly for youth performers or a variety? A variety. Okay. And we want everything, the full spectrum, everything, jazz, country, pop, rock, R&B, hip hop. We want everything. And we want them to join the movement to help stomp out world hunger, starting right here in Florida with Joshua's Heart. Okay. Joshua'sHeart.org is the website. If you can be a part of that concert and want to volunteer or sponsor, perform, 954-566-2712. And that is Karen Gray. Again, I thank you. And we're going to talk again in not long from now when you've yes. got details about a date and a time. And then we're going to get everybody online to watch. Exactly. Thank you so much, Ellen. You are a gem. And we love how you serve us here in South Florida. Thank you. And that goes for you, too. Thank you. Joining us now, I am so happy to welcome Melba Pearson, Esquire, currently the Director of Policy and Programs for the Center for the Administration of Justice at FIU. She has also been uh, a prosecutor for the Miami-Dade State Attorney's Office, a former president of the Black Prosecutors Association, former Deputy Director of the ACLU of Florida. Melba, thank you for being here to help us understand the amendments that we're voting on. Thank you so much for having me, Ellen. I really look forward to our discussion. Absolutely. And I'm going to Take the amendments out of order. I want to start with the one that may have the most impact and maybe the most confusing, and then we'll talk a little more leading up to the elections about the other amendments. So we're going to start with Amendment 4, which is called Voter Approval of Constitutional Amendments. And when you read the summary, basically what it's saying is that it would amend our state constitution so that amendments to the Constitution... (laughs) would have to be approved by voters in two elections instead of one in order to take effect. 
What does that mean and what is the impact on people and passage of amendments? Well, Ellen, let me take you back to 2018. That was the year when 55% of Floridians passed what was then known as Amendment 4, which was the Voting Rights Restoration Amendment. This is the amendment that gave voting rights back to people who had felony convictions. Florida was one of four states in the country, only four states in the country, that had a lifetime ban on voting if you have been a part of the criminal justice system. So clearly this needed to change because we needed to be more in line with the rest of the country. And at the end of the day, people deserve a second chance. If you've done your time and you've fulfilled all of your obligations, you should be able to vote and be a part of society again. So this was something that was done as a citizen's initiative, which meant that a million signatures were gathered by petition. The people who were interested in putting this on the ballot went before the Florida Supreme Court. They approved the language. They looked at the amount of petitions gathered and everything else. They went through the process. Then it was placed on the ballot. And what ended up happening, like I said, 65% of Floridians voted in favor. Now, some people in Tallahassee were very, very upset that Amendment 4 passed because of the fact that it brought the potential of over a million new voters. And the belief was that there were going to be Democratic voters, which ironically, most of those folks were registering as independents or no party affiliated because they wanted to learn a bit more. Be that as it may, the legislature passed what became Senate Bill 7066, which ended up being signed into law in 2019 by the governor, which basically gutted a lot of what people voted for. In that same legislative session, they also passed a bill to make it more difficult for grassroots groups, such as the ones who put together the Voting Rights Restoration Amendment, it made it more difficult for them to be able to put more of these types of amendments on the ballot. This initiative, this amendment is clearly designed in the same vein as the efforts that were continuing during the legislative session in 2019 to restrict access to the ballot for grassroots groups. We're a democracy, and it's very important that the people and the will of the people be heard. And unfortunately, this amendment takes us away from that by making it more difficult for an amendment to pass. I mean, when else do you have to vote twice on any particular issue or on any candidate? Only if there's a runoff. That's it. Exactly. Exactly. And it's two different elections for different purposes, right? So you have a primary where you may have a group of 10 candidates and it whittles down to one versus another in the general. But you're not repeatedly voting for the same candidate for the same position, except in that situation that we just discussed. So this would mean that going back to the voting rights restoration amendments, since that was one of the most recent big amendments of this nature, instead of only voting for it in November, the people of the state of Florida would have had to vote for it theoretically in August, as well as again in November. And it would have to pass both times in order to be a part of the Constitution. That is unnecessary. And it's also expensive because think about the amount of advertising and mailing and all of that that has to be done on two different occasions in order to educate people about an amendment and encourage their vote one way or the other. Now, you mentioned having to have a million signatures to get something placed on a ballot as an amendment. What is a place that people can start to learn if they want to move forward and be part of our civic process? 
So certainly you have to start with the Department of State as well as the Supervisor of Elections website in your county, because those are the websites that would detail what the process is for being able to put something on the ballot as a citizen's initiative. There's also a number of other civic groups that are very, very engaged when it comes to electoral politics, voting, and amendments of this sort. What comes to mind is the League of Women Voters, uh, the NAACP. These organizations are nonpartisan which means they're not part of the Democratic or Republican Party or of a third party. Their concern is about issues, not necessarily about candidates per se, and just making sure that people are educated about what's on the ballot, as well as what is at stake for our communities. Right. Okay. And as long as you're mentioning nonpartisan, so those are great references, and anyone can find them, you know, you just search NAACP or League of Women Voters. There are local branches, and you'll find their websites. And as long as we're talking and as long as we're talking nonpartisan, how about if we take a look at Amendment 3? This is for the state constitution, which says all voters vote in primary elections for state legislature, governor and cabinet. And up until now, we've had what are called closed elections where we can only vote for our own party. What will result in voting yay or nay for this particular amendment? So, Ellen, Amendment 3 is misleading in the way that it's worded. So it's easy for someone to come to the conclusion that, oh, if I vote yes on this amendment, it means that primaries are now open and it doesn't matter what party I am. I can just vote in the election and it's all good, right? Well, this is a perfect case of the devil is in the details. So the way that this would end up happening is that it would be almost like our mayoral race here in Miami-Dade County, where it's sort of like a nonpartisan runoff. But the way it's executed is that it will be the two people, the two candidates with the highest number of votes would move on from the primary to the general. Now, the issue can end up being that you may have a runoff between two Democrats or you could have a runoff between two Republicans. So it ends up having the potential of locking out an entire party from being able to be on the ballot in the November election. And so this is not a true open primary, as in everyone has access to the ballot box. And then when you get to November, you decide your candidate based on you know party affiliation or if you want to cross party lines, so be it. We don't have nonpartisan elections per se as a general premise, with the exception of certain designated positions. So, for instance, again, using Miami-Dade County as an example, the county commission seats are nonpartisan. The mayor's seat is nonpartisan. There is some discussion whether or not the sheriff's race, when we finally elect a sheriff in the upcoming years, as well as a supervisor of elections, whether that's going to be nonpartisan or partisan. That's one situation, because if it's a nonpartisan race, then no one has a party designation and everyone is free to vote for whatever candidate they want. But the reality is in America, for the vast majority of seats, there is a party designation. So we can't have a situation where only one party gets to dominate the ballot. And it takes away the power from various communities to dictate what they want to see and how they want to see their communities being led. Okay, and just to reiterate, while yes, it would allow you to vote cross-party, and this is only for state legislature, governor, and cabinet, it's not for president. You couldn't vote cross-party in the primary for president, 
but then it reduces it to the two candidates with the highest votes so that you could very easily end up with a final election that has only one party represented for state legislature, governor, and cabinet, regardless of which party it is. It could be just one party. Exactly, exactly. And that's damaging to our democracy to not be able to have that ability to select, whether it be based on party or qualifications. But again, it has to be up to the voter, not be thrust upon the voter. These are your only options to deal with. Do we have the ability, I guess it would take getting an amendment placed on a ballot with petition with, I think you had said, a million signatures to say we would like to have open primaries where we can vote cross party, but still have it be the winner of each party goes to the final election. I think that would be a very good idea because, again, many times we find a situation where people who are registered as no party affiliation, what people think of as independent, they are the ones who are locked out of primaries or they have to make the decision to choose a party so that they can have the ability to vote in the primary election. I don't see that as being very fair. So again, we should still have the confines of the two-party system plus whatever third parties or writing candidates or independent folks who decide to run, you know, you have that option. But everyone should have access to be able to vote for who should be in that final runoff representing the parties that are involved. Okay. So please, no matter what you do, get out and vote. We have a second week of early voting. It continues through November 1st. And please be aware that if you want to vote by mail, you want to get that mail-in ballot in the mail if you are actually going to mail it now because you've only got a little over a week left for it to get to your supervisor of elections office. Or you can drop it at one of the official boxes at any of the 54 Dayton Broward County early voting locations or on the day of election, you can also drop it at the supervisor of elections office by seven o'clock. So please get it in ASAP. Express your voice. Melba Pearson, thank you for all your insight. And we still have another week ahead of us where we're going to touch on two more of these amendments. I look forward to the conversation. Thank you so much, Alan. And thank you for listening to Easy's Community Focus this morning. By the way, if you have any questions about voting, you can find all the information on our website at easy93.com. You'll see a big banner that says vote. If you have questions about the program today or would like to suggest a topic, please email me at ellen at easy93.com. And join us again for an all-new edition of Easy's Community Focus next Sunday morning at 6.50. Have a great day.